love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just gonna do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story? Or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. And I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, this is like, so her first week back to normal, just you and me, just vibing on the podcast as normal. Right. Um, it's been, I feel like it has been a while. I feel like we're a little out of practice. Yeah. Well, because last week we had Jess Cullen who joined us for a Kona recap show and we, our format there was a little bit different, but this week we get to do the traditional catch up. We have a mailbag to answer and we have a great interview. So it's back to, yeah, normal. And, but what's not back to normal, I think is your knee. You're, you're making progress, right? So time is passing and, and it's a good thing for you. Time is passing and it is a good thing. Um, I am in, I think I'm, in the middle of week six, um, post op. And so that means I have been able to start weaning off of my crutches, which is very exciting. I have taken steps alone without crutches, which is very exciting. It is wild to like really be in kind of the like rock bottom of the healing phase where it's like day over day, you truly get to feel your like body getting stronger. And it's not the same as when you're in training and you're like, oh, I feel like these intervals, I can push harder, right? It's like, oh no, now I feel like I'm literally getting the mechanics of my walking to like resume the brain body connection, which had been lost, which is also crazy to me. Um, Just, I think the fact that I obviously have not been weight bearing on that leg for six weeks. And then, you know, for the three plus months prior to that, I like was limping around on it. Right. So I haven't walked as a normal, like walk for quite a while. And so kind of getting back to not limping as I'm trying to take steps is actually a very big mental barrier in my brain. And so that's why I'm trying to just take it really slow. Um, you know, I'm definitely not, like pushing boundaries here because I can tell I'm just, I feel like I'm very in tune with the little imbalances that have come around. Um, you know, actually I'm lucky. I'm not having a lot of pain where the procedure was done, but as I'm working on range of motion, I'm feeling pain like in other parts of my leg down to my ankle, right? Because I've also lost a lot of like ankle flexibility and kind of the other side of my leg has really tightened up. And so those kind of things I think need to really, you know, I want to work on those as I, wean off of crutches and start to build back everything because otherwise I just feel like I'll have a month or two down the road and some other issue will pop up. Um, and so I'm trying to just take it slow as I can and do it right from the beginning. And, but it is wild just being able to walk again and being like, you know, Matt, stay there. I'm going to like walk to you. And then I like, I stand like that feeling when you're standing on the edge of a diving board and you don't want to jump, you know, because you're like, is my, like, am I okay to do this? Is my leg going to actually support my weight? Um, and so it's kind of exhilarating. <laughs> I mean, the bar is low lately, but, um, it is a little exhilarating to be going through that whole process, I guess. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're making progress and I think you're taking the right patient approach and it's 
wild how how quickly it progresses i do think that like the human body is amazing so keep 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 the patient approach going and i do think you'll be rewarded but i'm glad you're getting your thrills where you can i am uh yeah recovering yeah, the human from- body being an amazing like the human body your human body went through a heck of a lot of uh i don't know <laughs> the word that comes to mind is trauma like in Hawaii, we're just racing the Ironman, right? Which I guess it probably it could be categorized in that in some ways. Um, chosen trauma, I guess, to be to put your body through that. But... It was an honor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how are you coming? Like, what's your brain body connection telling you I these? Feel, I feel so bad. <laughs> I feel so <laughs> bad right now. I am a little bit more than one week post race. Um, I think I was kind of like you know, on that normal kind of high of, um, coming off the race and you're kind of just running on adrenaline, getting yourself home. And then I did have a long travel home and, um, had to spend the night in Seattle and just kind of, it was okay. And then I do remember waking up last week, I don't know, maybe Thursday. And it was just like a beautiful day. And I was like, I'm not sore. It's amazing. And so I did go for like a very short ride, which I do love that about this time because I'm like, wow, I can just go for like one hour easy. And that's like my, ideal amount of exercise. Um, but this morning I, my sister was in town. So I dropped her off at the airport really early at like 5am and I went to the pool and, um, I tried to make it 4k. I made it 3,700 mostly because I was talking too much. And then the pool closed because luckily a lot of people wanted to hear about my own experience, but I felt so bad swimming. I just felt so bad. And then I did a little bike ride today and I felt so bad. I mean, everything just feels terrible, but I I've done a lot of celebrating in the last week. So that could be part of it. And um, I feel like there's always that back point where adult you're... beverages add some, add <laughs> no, some, uh, this is the like time amino, amino co perform or some, uh, <laughs> salt stick, whatever <laughs> in there. But don't you feel like coming off of Ironman, like your body is wondering or like just a big race or an effort? Like it doesn't, I don't even think that this necessarily has too much of a correlation to the distance because if you push really hard and like your body though gets used to pushing hard, recovering a little bit, but then like also getting right back into training, right? Because the season's not over, that sort of thing. And then like, yeah, you give it a little bit, a few days longer than normal. And it's like, oh, wait, we're really done for, we're at that part of the cycle, right? And it like, I do think your body really is like, going to go into hibernation a little bit and like really kind of shut down and do what it needs to do to make you strong. Like it absorb this whole season of work that you put in right. And be stronger yeah. for next season. Yes. Yeah. So I do think, um, I, yeah, my body does need a rest. And so I'll say I'm doing some easy movement right now. And part of that is actually because I am headed to Greenville, South Carolina this weekend to run a half marathon with uh, one of my athletes. I'm, I'm pacing a good, good friend for her 40th birthday, my friend Megan. And so this is, this was planned. Okay. Last year I tried to do a race one week after Kona and I did not make it to that one. So this one, I'm like, Oh, two weeks after I'll be fine. But like, if you ask me today, I'm like, Oh God, I cannot run 13 miles this weekend, (laughs) but I'm hopeful by Saturday I will be able to. So we'll, we'll. I'll see how that oh goes. My gosh. But I also have to like do it at a decent, like I gotta, I'm we're like I'm gonna be the one looking at the watch, which is also something that like kind of scares me because it's just a different way of racing. Um, but no, I'm excited about it. And the oh like I said, I came back here last weekend and the weather was so good here in Bozeman, so nice, like 70 degrees Fahrenheit, sunny. And so I was just really enjoying like outdoor drinking mostly. Um, and then 
it has gotten a little colder and radier. So I'm like, this is good. I can like, I haven't run a step. I mean, I probably, I might not, I probably won't until I, I told her I go to a shakeout run with her on Friday. So that might oh be my, my first run. <laughs> what so, is the goal? Are you, are you? Can you tell me what the goal is? I mean, I think our goal is 155. 155 is the goal I've I've set for her. Okay. Yeah. So you do Um, have to keep on board with that. Focused on that for, yeah, to like, yeah. For you, I mean, normally in your training cycle, that wouldn't be as tall in order as I feel like it is, you know, but it's not going to be a gimme at this point. (laughs) What if I DNF my my 40th birthday, not my 40th birthday, someone else's 40th birthday. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be good. I'm going to be fine. Um, But I, that's why I'm trying to do some easy movement. And then I actually might take even more of a break um, just to, to let myself really like recover from, you know, just the whole season and try to figure out what's next. So I haven't, I haven't totally figured out everything. Like I, I, I kind of came out of Kona. I was like, Oh no, I have no plans for the future. I like literally, I'm just like floundering and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'll just drink beer. (laughs) Well, while you were there, an exciting announcement did come out for Ironman athletes that probably I mean, I'm assuming that like 100% of the women racing in Kona probably just like saw this and then like shuffled it aside and was like, I'll think about this later, right? Hopefully they did that and didn't think too hard about it. But it was um, Iron Man announced a pro series that will be happening next year, which is definitely new and exciting, right? Um, way of racing. So they will have 17, right? Races, um, several Ironman distance, several half Ironman, but it's actually focused on like iron distance, I believe, um, kind of racing and setting the pros up to race a series for that with points and prize money, uh, like associated with the series itself, which is exciting. Um, and then they're also though, you know, I know it induced a little bit of panic in some of us who were like, oh, does this mean they're actually doing away with a lot of other Ironmans? Is there only going to be, you know, those left on the circuit for pros? But they are, it does seem to be keeping um, a good bit of other Ironman racing, which is, I think, going to be really good for the future of pros in the sport, right? I, I definitely didn't see that coming. I'm I'm very excited no. about this. That was a big surprise announcement. I do think when it first saw the email, it was, I was in Hawaii, I'm like, you know, running to bike check-in or something. And so I was not... Um, looking at it closely, I guess it would have been the pro meeting. I think it was a couple of days before, <laughs> before the race, but, um, but that was my first fear was, Oh my goodness, there's only 17 races with prize money next year. And I'm like, Oh geez, like this is really going to like make things very difficult. Um, but then it is, there's only 17 races in the series, but all, a lot of other Ironman races, Ironman branded 70.3s will have prize money still and slots to, to the world championship races. So, um, it caught me off guard for sure to see that Ironman is kind of like stepping up and creating this pro prize pool. And, um, I think it was like $1.3 million to the top 10, uh, $5,000 bonus at the end of the year to through 50th ranked athletes. And, um, the rankings do seem a little bit different than like the PTO rankings, because like you said, they, um, are a little, I mean, they're all Ironman branded races, uh, a little more weighted toward Ironman distance, having more points. And then also, um, uh, the uh I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, well, it's by points, time. Yeah, the points, the points are by time. By that time, was the right? So the further you part. are from the winner's time, the more points you lose, which right again, I think like I'm curious to but like Kona, we would have had pretty good points because I mean we're so mm-hmm. so close. It would have yeah. been, I mean, that's like a very interesting thing. So you don't it's gonna be very hard to like plan out like how things are gonna shake out for the end of the year. I'm sure Torsten Rad is 
is like super excited um, yeah. <laughs> about this, the statistician master, like, um, cause it definitely gives him a new angle to, to, uh, approach. And it'll be interesting to see if people like change their race series. I think 2024 is just an exciting year because you'll have the PTO series, which, you know, hopefully there are more races. I don't, they haven't announced all those yet. You'll have this Ironman series. You also have a lot of the Jathlegal athletes going for the Olympics. And so it's going to be very interesting. And I think people will be like looking to see how things play out and then making big moves for 2025 on where they commit to. So wild, unexpected time in the sport. I mean, we have an all women's Kona that goes successfully, like insanely well. We have, you know, these new race series and I'm just like, yeah, I am like, wow, I did not see this coming. I mean, it's, it's wild. I know. And I mean, the other announcement I think we can talk about is that it came out like today, I think right in hours before we were recording the Ironman announcement that there will be additional women's slots for the world championship in Nice given out, um, at various races, including 70.3s in the next season, like leading up to it. And, um, you know, it's like, once again, I have to, I mean, I don't know the amount of times I've said this is very few, but applaud Ironman for these decisions because I do think it's a sign of the recognition of the importance of investing in the women's side of sport and making conscious decisions to elevate that and make sure resources. And just like, you know, I think Andrew Messick is quoted in there saying like, we are realizing that like, perhaps, you know, treating these two races differently is okay and a good thing. And like, we just want to do the best thing for the men's race and the best thing for the women's race. Right. And like, whew, my mind blew to see that coming out of his mouth. Right. But it's exciting. And I think it should be embraced. And I'm excited because, you know, I know like people that we coach Haley, right? Like not everyone wants to do a season full of chasing world championship slots at iron distance races. That's really hard, right? It's not sustainable for themselves as an athlete to pour finances into that sort of thing, right? It's going to hopefully like make the careers of not only pros longer ultimately, but like age groupers, right? To be able to not have to chase world championship spots in that way. And maybe, you know, or maybe like our older women who are crushing it out there, right? Like doing one at full distance a year is plenty on their body, you know, at that time. So getting a chance to qualify at 70.3, right? That would be great. So I don't know. I'm excited for these changes, particularly for how um, the changes in the, in the women's racing. I think it's yeah. going to be a really good thing. I know. And I think Kelly O'Mara from the, if we were riding podcast, she, she had brought that up that a lot of the North American races in particular, full iron distance races have gone away. So you have races, um, that used to be happening in the first part of the season. I mean, even like, I guess, Los Cabos, Coeur d'Alene, uh, Tulsa, Des Moines, Tremblant, all used to be world championship qualifiers that you could do early in the year. And those don't exist. And so the, the problem with having Kona in October and then Nice in September, if you want to race Kona and then, you know, turn around and race Nice and you're in North America, your chances for qualifying are very slim. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you'd have to travel to Europe. You have to travel to, um, Australia. I think, you know, there's one race in South America. So I think that that's also, like you said, I mean, it, it lowers those barriers and hopefully encourages women to, to go to Nice, um, and makes that possible. And so, because it's just, even the timeline is just so much tighter than, um, than even just a traditional once a year world championship. Yeah. So exciting, exciting things happening. Um, 
And, you know, along the theme of kind of race calendars and where people are racing, we did get a mailbag this week or um, that came in, Haley, where Ashley asked us a question and she's curious about how far apart you should race a 70.3 before racing a full distance Ironman. So she is experienced middle of the pack age group athlete. She's done three full Ironmans between 13 hours and 13, 1311 to 1320, um, multiple 70.3s. And next season, she's looking at her season. She is doing Ironman Chattanooga on September 29th, 2024, but she has also signed up for 70.3 Michigan. Um, she had signed up to, for that before she committed to doing the full in Chattanooga. And so Michigan 70.3 is only two weeks before Ironman Chattanooga. And okay, Haley, are you ready for her pros and cons list? Basically, that is going to help us decide what Ashley should do. So the Michigan race, she, she like really did our work for us. Yeah. Listing out pros and cons. <laughs> yes, this is good. So Michigan race some pros are it's her favorite race. She spends her summer weekends training on and around the course. There is a chance that Ironman moves that race out of Michigan after 2024. So it might be her last chance to do it in that location. But I guess she didn't really give us her, she's looking for us, I think, to give her cons potentially, because it sounds like we have a lot of reasons to do it at this point. Um, and she's wondering, can she do the 70.3 two weeks before the full, still be successful in Chattanooga? Or should she transfer to, she listed a few of the other options that would be like, um, you know, Louisville six weeks out, Ohio is 10 weeks before, Happy Valley is 13 weeks before. So there are options in that like region, right? She could switch to, I guess. Um, and so... What are your, what are your thoughts? Race Michigan. Um, (laughs) I think it's your favorite race and you, it sounds like you live there at least during the summer. Um, and so logistically it's probably going to be a pretty easy race for you in that way. Like, you know, the course, you know, all that I would do it as your last hard workout before Ironman Chattanooga. And then take those two weeks and really, really recover. You're not going to lose fitness that fast. Um, you know, do some easy movement. <laughs> like, I just, like I just said, you might feel bad, but you're going to come around just in time. <laughs> yes. I, I agree with that. I think the pros greatly outweigh, you know, and again, I think it depends on how you structure the week, right. That could be something you work on with a coach, but like there's absolutely time to make that magic happen that you can still have a really successful day in Chattanooga. So I would say definitely, definitely do Michigan still. So then your calendar's set. So actually you're welcome. <laughs> thank, you and, for, thank you for the question. Yes. I know if anyone else has questions, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We are back and ready to answer them all and tell you where to race and whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Haley, we have a great interview for everyone today. We are talking to um, professional triathlete, Alice Alberts. She did her first Ironman back in 2016, which was like a small sprint. Her first triathlon. Her first triathlon. Sorry. Oh, she did her first triathlon back in 2016, which is like a, she'll talk about it. She'll tell you about it. Her second triathlon was Ironman Coeur d'Alene 2021, where she was the first overall amateur. So she found success very quickly. By 2022, she was entering the pro ranks. And then one season later, now in 2023, she's at the top of the podium. She won Ironman Lake Placid this year, Ironman Maryland. And she is heading to Ironman Florida to wrap up her season. So we talk about her rise to success, how she lives and trains in Boston, and what she has coming up both in the short term and for 2024. So you will hear from Alice 
after a word from our sponsor. Alice, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So you are talking to us a little less than two weeks out from Ironman Florida, which I believe you are racing. And you live and train, I think, outside or in Boston, Massachusetts. And as someone, I live just a couple hours away in Vermont. Um, and I can say these last few weeks have been, well, the entire summer has been wet. <laughs> More so when you add in like dropping temperatures and wetness. So not necessarily prime Florida training. So how has training been going? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I like just last week, someone was like, oh, have you been um, heat training? And I was like, oh, gosh, like I probably should be doing that. So in the last week, I've been in the sauna more. <laughs> but yeah, being outside hasn't been necessarily good practice for Florida. Although I do recall it was like two years ago where they had really, really chilly temperatures. So just kind of going in not with any expectations there on whether what it's going to be like. But yeah, in Boston, dealing with the weather, uh, fortunate that I can always, you know, adjust my schedule as needed now that this is my full-time job for if I need to get outside and whatnot. So that's been good. Are you someone who goes outside no matter what? Like it has to be really, really bad to go outside um, or to stay well, inside? I'm pretty <laughs> pathetic. Like I'll stay inside if it's not ideal. <laughs> What's the longest, in, have you done any really long indoor sessions this block? No, not this block. I would say when I had my full-time job, I was a nurse practitioner. I would get up to like five and a half hours inside um, just cause like you couldn't predict rain. You know what I mean? Like I had weekends and that's when I had to do those rides. But now I'm, yeah, now I'm pretty pathetic. And my rule actually is I won't stay inside if it's more than three hours, because I just don't want to be on the saddle that long on my trainer. But I've been really lucky, actually. I know the weekends have been pretty brutal in New England in terms of rain and stuff, but um, I like to do bulk of my training during the week. So that's actually been pretty good in New England. So I've, I've gotten away with it. And so Alice, uh, Florida will be your fourth Ironman this year. It's, it's just eight weeks after your win at Ironman Maryland. Uh, in Maryland, you did receive a spot for, you took the slot for the world champs in Nice that are happening next year, next September. So what was the the rationale for racing Florida? Yeah. So I qualified for Kona at Ironman Lake Placid earlier this year and actually took that slot and then thought about it a little more and just didn't really feel, I guess, ready to be like on that world champ stage. I'm a relatively new pro and I just wanted a little bit more experience and racing both Maryland and Florida just felt like, I don't know, more like I could get more race experience that I wanted and maybe gain a little bit more confidence in myself before then putting myself on that world, like that, yeah, really impressive stage. So doing Maryland was a little bit more of a confidence booster. I think I needed after Lake Placid just in having a little bit of belief in myself, um, and getting that race experience. Um, yeah. So then just staying local too, like getting to Kona is so expensive. So it's like, I'll do Maryland and Florida and stay local for a little, my first full year as a pro. Um, but then was able to, yeah, get the world champ slot. So I'm planning on doing Nice next year um, and excited about it. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the thought process between taking the slot 
and then deciding not to go. Cause I think you're maybe the first person I've ever, I've ever heard to do that. And I mean, as someone who's been in this sport, like a little longer when we only had 30, 35 slots, it's just, uh, kind of wild. I mean, did you think about how Angela Nath wouldn't get to race now? Yeah, no, I, that was actually the first thing I thought about, um, believe it or not, I felt so guilty and I almost didn't do it for that reason. And I was talking to other people and they were like, you can't like feel bad about that. This is like your pro career. And now, you know, you got to like follow what you think is right for you to do. I, you know, it stinks having to make that decision, as you know, the very next morning after a race. So I was like, of course I'm going to do Kona and then took it. And then a, a week went by and I, or two before I really like started thinking about whether or not that would be the right decision. And it was a really, really, really hard decision to be honest. Cause one of my goals when I turned pro was to qualify for Kona. Interestingly enough, the goal wasn't to race Kona when I look back at where I'd written my goals down, but um, yeah, it wasn't an easy one. Um, I don't regret it. I don't think, um, but we'll see. I mean, so far so good, I guess, with the decision. Um, I feel so bad that Angela didn't get the opportunity to race kind of trust me. I've thought about that, but, um, one I thought a lot about, and I think one I'm still happy I did. And as you mentioned, um, Alice, you are like pretty new to Ironman, to triathlon, to all of that, right? So you entered your first Ironman in 2021 at Ironman Coeur d'Alene, where surprise, like you won, you were the first overall amateur. And that's quite an entry into Ironman racing and certainly not most people's experience. So can we talk a little bit about your background in sport? I think you were an ice hockey player growing up. So <laughs> did you have formal like swim, bike, run training? How did that kind of happen? Yeah, no, I had none of that. I had a really active childhood, really active parents, two older brothers who I was constantly chasing around and trying to keep up with. Um, and I played loads of sports throughout high school. I played um, soccer, ice hockey and lacrosse. And then I ended up playing lacrosse in college um, but yeah, no, uh, swimming background, no real biking background. I mean, my family would go on bike rides when I was a kid and we were in new England and New Hampshire. So my husband always says that like my experience as a kid biking in New Hampshire made me a strong cyclist. Cause I just thought Hills were like the norm. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, really had to get my swimming up to par. So I've put a lot, a lot of work into that in the last three years um, and found marathons first, actually. So I graduated from college, went to grad school and was just super stressed. And running was like my therapy, really. It was my stress relief. So got into running and marathoning and did that from 2016 until I signed up for my first Ironman and then transitioned over to Ironman. So it's been a wild ride. <laughs> so there were no shorter triathlons before Coeur d'Alene or were there? I did, I did a sprint triathlon in 2016 um, with my oldest brother because he talked me into it. It was like one of those where I like didn't train for it. I was like on my mom's bike that didn't fit me. And I had a blast. But if I'm going to be honest, I was in grad school and I, I couldn't afford to buy my own bike and running was so much more accessible and I was loving it. So I just stuck with that instead of continuing on with triathlon. I was just like, oh, that was a fun experience. <laughs> And then did you have like a coach and a training plan going into Coeur d'Alene or were you just kind of winging it at that point? 
Oh, no, I had. So my current coach, Natasha Vandermervo, um, my husband like gifted me coaching in uh, for Christmas. Um, so like six to seven whole months before I did Coeur d'Alene. So I worked with Natasha starting January 1st, leading into that race that was in June. So like had a lot of training um, and learning from her. I've learned so much from her going into that race. And that was obviously huge. Like, I don't think I would have had the result I did at all without her guidance leading into that race. And so that 2021 Ironman Coeur d'Alene, Alyssa and I were both there. It was so hot. Um, but so, interesting enough, you would have gotten a Kona slot there to race the age group race, but which didn't happen. And I know they gave the age groupers the option to race either in St. George or Hawaii. And it, you took St. George. Yeah. Yeah. I did St. George. So um, I was going to do Hawaii. Yeah. That um, October was looking forward to that. Um, and then it was postponed. And so I did Ironman Texas that year instead, which was the same day that Kona would have been. Um, and it was actually after that race that I started considering going pro. So decided to do world champs earlier because I wanted to race world champs as a age grouper and then turn pro like one to two months after that St. George race. Yeah. Okay. Cause that was a pretty unusual decision. I think most, most people <laughs> given the decision chose Kona over St. George or unless they had, you know, qualified for both already. Um, and so you already knew you wanted to do Ironman Texas. Uh, well, no, I was going to do Kona, but then oh. Texas be, or sorry. Yeah. I was going to do Kona always. That was my plan. October, 2021. Right. And then it got postponed. So I was training up for an Ironman to do Kona. So I was like, oh, I might as well, you know, still do one in October. So then I did Texas and decided to do St. George that next May. But it's sounding like. Oh, I'm so you did. OK, so you did Texas 2021 and yeah. then. Yeah. OK, and then decided did not you didn't want to do Kona 2022 then because you probably could have done both St. George and Hawaii then. I'm trying to think, did Kona 2022 did that race happen? Happened. Yeah, I was there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go pro. That's what it was. So I turned okay. pro. Yeah, I know. I'm just full of uh, interesting decisions, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go pro. Um, So I went pro like within a month or two after that St. George result. So for me, like racing world champs was the, you know, big race I wanted to do as an age grouper. It didn't matter so much to me whether it was in Kona or not. So getting the St. George experience was really important to me. And I was um, happy to do that race, but yeah, then turned pro. Okay. And did, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, you can go oh, ahead. Okay. I was just curious, um, you know, going into Coeur d'Alene even, what was it like, you know, did Natasha prep you in the days, the weeks leading up, like you should be at the front of this race, you know, like, was there talk like, Hey, I know it's your first Ironman, but like you, you could win this thing. Right. Yeah. With Coeur d'Alene for sure. I mean, um, and initially when we first started training together, she was like, this is great. You should go for a Kona slot. And so in my mind, I was like, yes, like I'm training for Coeur d'Alene thinking I can qualify for the world champs. And then as we got closer to the race, she was like, you could win your age group. And then as we got even closer, she was like, you could potentially win this race. But I don't know. I had no expectations really. And I was like, I'm just going to go try to do the race I know I can do. And even throughout like that, race. It was so long ago now. I, I remember not really knowing what place I was in or anything like that. Just kind of like doing the race I thought I was capable of out there. Um, and then obviously being thrilled when I found out I, I won, but 
Um, yeah, I was trying to not go in with expectations. If I'm being honest, my older brother had done two Ironmans and I kind of knew that, you know, you have to have a good day and anything can happen in an Ironman. So I was like, I'm not going to have any expectations here. I'm just going to go out and try to do the race I know I'm capable of. So it was a fun first one for sure. (laughs) Okay. And I should know this for sure, but what was your first pro race? Was that Placid 2022? Yep. It didn't go very well, but yes, it was like Placid 2022. So can you tell us a little bit about that first pro experience when you've, you've had so much age group success, you've uh, won your age group, you've been on the podium at a world champs in your age group. Um, and then, you know, what it was like to do that first pro race. Yeah. I mean, I definitely went in with a lot of stress around it and a lot of expectations. And in the end, I actually think I was putting those expectations on myself. I don't think anyone else really was. Um, I had quit my job and my last day as a nurse practitioner had been three days prior to that race. So I went in being like, I have to do well here. You know, I just made this decision. I have to prove it was the right decision. And in the end, like that's not the right headspace to be going into, into a race. You should be like going in because you want to, I don't know, like show that you can obviously perform, but it shouldn't be to like prove others wrong. I don't think so. Anyway, um, went in really stressed and, um, yeah, just didn't perform well. And to be honest, I butchered my nutrition on the bike. I got behind, um, I think it was Heather Jackson actually, and was like, so psyched to be, you know, uh, near her on the bike that I like skipped aid stations and just wasn't taking in the fuel I needed. And then I completely blew up on the run. (laughs) And so you talked a little bit about, you know, working as a full-time nurse practitioner and, leaving the job three days before your first pro race. And so, you know, we like to share stories of women who have made that leap. And like, um, you know, I think maybe you can even talk about this too, you know, in the past year really, or so it's like become a much more favorable landscape again, to probably be encouraging women to be taking that leap into the pro ranks. Um, you know, even just like just leading up, I feel like to kind of the COVID era, it was like, it was not a great time for Ironman racing, right? To be encouraging people, yes, leave your full-time job and do it, you know? So what like went into your decision and and do you have any kind of wisdom from having done that now for anyone who's thinking about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's such an individual decision, right? So everyone's situation is so different. Um, For me, yeah, I was a nurse practitioner. I liked what I did, but I was definitely feeling pretty burned out after the pandemic. Um, And I just had so much support around me. Really, my husband is the one who's encouraged me to take this leap. So I like owe a lot of this to him for one being able to like support our family, knowing that we could take this um, gamble, I guess, for like a year or two and see how it went. Um, And then also just encouraging me and believing in me to like take this, yeah, risk and see how I could do. But every situation is so different. Um, For me, I was just wanting a bit of a change. And I, yeah, I'm so fortunate that it's like worked out okay so far. But I've said this before, like, even if I didn't have, I guess, the results I did in Lake Placid or the results I did in Maryland, I I still think I would have felt like I made the right decision just because I'm so much happier and I'm I'm just so much, I don't know, I'm doing what I love and I do not take for granted that I get to do that every day. Um, so it's been a great decision for me and I'm just feeling so fortunate that it's, yeah, working out the way it has. 
And you mentioned your coach, Natasha Vandermerva, who I had on the show to talk That's about 70.3 worlds. <laughs> yeah. She came on and talked about 70.3 worlds a few uh, months ago, I guess. Um, I know that we talked a little bit about you on that show and um, how you two connected, because I think it was through social media. Can we hear that story from your perspective? Yeah, honestly, again, it was my husband. Um, he found her. I think she just had a really good result in um, Ironman, Florida, coincidentally, where I'm heading soon. And yeah, he found her on Instagram and and reached out to her and then yeah, had me email her and we just connected that way, which is pretty cool that it all happened over social media there. But I was honestly on the outside <laughs> and just got the benefit of it all. <laughs> and now you coach as well. Yeah, yeah. So part of my transition from, you know, being a full-time nurse practitioner over to training full-time and something that made me feel a little better with that is that um, Natasha did offer me a uh, position to be one of the coaches for her coaching company. So that helped obviously getting a little bit of income, uh, and not going, you know, from having a full-time job to then making nothing. <laughs> and how has that been? What kind of athletes do you work with? Yeah, I'll work with any kind of athlete. Honestly. Um, I have Ironman athletes, 70.3. I have a few just running athletes and how has it been? It's been awesome. I truly adore it. I think that one of the things that got me to want to be a nurse practitioner is that I do love to, you know, help people and help people be uh, healthy and happy. I was in primary care um, and it was a lot of my identity back then. And I think that now coaching, I get a lot of the fulfillment that I did from being a nurse practitioner, just trying being able to like be there for other people and provide encouragement and yeah, support. So it's been an awesome change, but also, you know, consistency and that I'm still working with people and, and that's, I guess what I love to do. So I've, I've loved it. It's been great. And Alice on your website, I think it says that your like partners and sponsors kind of go through the NVDM like yeah. train, right? So like it's, you share your, sponsorships with the coaching group and the athlete group, right? So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I don't know, you know, we don't want to make you say anything you're not comfortable saying, but like, what is the setup that Natasha has for a pro athlete that is with N NVDM and like, how does that partnership arrangement work? Yeah. So Natasha has created like an elite team. I think there's a few different triathlon companies that have this, but basically people who are part of the NVDM community. So, so anyone who's coached by an NVDM coach, if they make meet certain requirements, one of those is being a pro triathlete, but others are like, you know, finishing top. I don't actually know the specifics, but top like three in your age group, then you qualify for this elite team. And then the sponsorships are all like through NVDM and basically Natasha's figured out relationships with them. Well, wh whether like the elite team is getting free products or if we're putting out discount codes and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, that was wonderful for me um, entering the sport and not having any of my own personal sponsors at the time and just having some connections there. That was great and super great of Natasha, right? To set that up for those of us who are coming into the sport and new and yeah, I would love some help. So that, that was great. Um, but next year I am doing some of my own sponsorships outside of NVDM now that I 
um, have been able to form other relationships on my own as an individual without needing. <laughs> Natasha. Yeah, now that you're winning races and a little bit, I'm sure it's not super easy still, but it gets a little easier, right? <laughs> yeah, a little, it is, a, it is. A, I mean, you guys know as athletes, it is, a, uh, something new that I, you know, didn't know how to handle it, reaching out to sponsors and how that relationship goes, but it's been an adventure. Another thing my husband has been helping me with. <laughs> And you mentioned living and training in Boston. Um, are you like in the city? Is it pretty urban? So, you know, how, how is the training there? Yeah. Yeah. I live right in Boston. Um, I love running here. We have the Esplanade, which is along the Charles river, which is beautiful and pretty flat. Um, so that's awesome. And then obviously like a pool is a pool so I can walk to the pool, which is cool. But if I'm being honest, yeah, the biking is not ideal. I tend to put my bike in the car and drive outside of the city nowadays to, to get away from some of the traffic. And it's still pretty busy even in the suburbs, but you find your spots, but yeah, that's why any shorter ride, I'm really doing it on my trainer. It's just safer. <laughs> and what about the triathlon community? Are there a lot of triathletes in Boston? There are. Um, I have a few good friends who are really into it. There's a few different tri clubs here. Um, I'm part of a master's swim team and a lot of those guys do triathlons. But yeah, there's a there's a community for sure. So you swim with people? Do you, do you ride and run with people? No, that's actually pretty interesting. I love my master's swim team, um, particularly because they're all better than me. So it definitely makes me work harder, but I tend to bike and run alone. Um, I don't know why it's like a weird thing. People were at, will ask, and I always have to kind of come up with like a nice excuse not to, I love doing it alone. I know that sounds really antisocial and weird, but it really is like my me time. And I, I don't know. I like being able to leave when I want to leave and go the pace I want to go. <laughs> So yeah, uh, uh, sort of introverted, um, part of me is my biking and my running. I think Haley and I both understand that we both do a lot of our training alone on purpose too. I think so. <laughs> I think a lot of triathletes can, can really relate. Um, and Alice, so we talked about like you have that world championship spot for Nice, um, ready to go for this year. So have you thought about af time after Florida, like what 2024, will look like? Yeah, no, I definitely have um, more than I thought I would at this stage of my season, but obviously qualifying for Nice changed that a little. Um, I had always been planning to go back to Texas um, for Ironman Texas. I love that race. I did it as an age grouper, and then I did it again this past year. Um, and now with the Ironman Pro Series coming out, it turns out that's a good decision and a good thing to do anyway, because it's one of those races. Um, and then I'm going to see if I can get over, we'll see, but over to Europe for a little training, just cause we all need to practice our descents. Now that it turns out there's some crazy Hills and that's maybe not my strong suit is going downhills. I love going up them. Um, but I do hope to race Lake Placid again, again, another special one to me. I've had a bad race there, but I've also had a good race there. So it'd be good to go back. But and it well, sounds like you were alluding to the climbing and descending in the Nice course specifically. So is that, that is something you're looking at um, to do like a training camp in that environment to be prepped for that course? Yeah. I mean, ideally, right. That would be awesome. That's not an inexpensive trip to go on, but um, yeah, if I could get there and practice that, that would be great, but um, definitely doing Nice next year for sure. 
And so the Ironman Pro Series was, it was just announced um, just a couple of weeks ago. And so that will be like 17 races where you'll be able to score points at the end of the series. There's a payout, big payout for the top 10, decent payout for the top 50. Um, like has, are you really going to try to, you know, possibly make your schedule around that since you are someone who's comfortable racing several Ironmans in a season? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I just said I was planning on doing right Texas Coeur d'Alene and Nice. And I actually had that already sort of like potential plan. And then the, um, pro series came out and I was like, Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Cause those are all on that. So that doesn't really Coeur Wait, it's Coeur d'Alene. Sorry, not Coeur d'Alene. Like, Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Placid. Okay. Or yeah. Cause I was like, Oh my yeah, goodness. Is, is there a pro race in the 70.3? <laughs> um, but, uh, I think Tremblant, Tremblant will be the pro yeah. the 70.3 that weekend Definitely. that's in that series. Yeah. So the series I think is awesome. I love the idea of it, particularly as someone, as you said, it's more Ironman focused than 70.3 focused. And, um, yeah, it's not really changing my schedule any because the things I was thinking about doing are there. Obviously things can change, but yeah, now I'll just have to figure out a few 70.3s to throw on there as well. And, um, oh, go ahead, Alyssa. No, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say Natasha and I talked a lot about her, her social media and how she has grown that. And it seems like you are following in those footsteps. I think you just started a YouTube channel. Can you talk about, about that and about social media in general as a, as a rising professional? Yeah, it's so interesting when I made the change over to being a pro, I didn't realize how much social media was going to be part of like my new job. <laughs> um, and that was hard at first, like I'd had a private Instagram account, I had very few followers when I yeah first started and then just kind of putting yourself out there has been a, a big change for me. But I've learned to really love it. Um, putting together reels and posts and whatnot. Um the YouTube series was definitely encouraged by my husband, just that, you know, I, I did have like a, some could say fast rise in the sport. So just kind of like putting my story out there and what that's been like, again, that's been really scary for me, but I, I so far am, am glad I've done it. Um, just getting used to like, I don't know how to say this, but like, for me, I'm like, who cares what I'm doing? Like who would watch this anyway? So kind of like getting over that and being okay with putting this out there. My husband got me to put the YouTube out there because he was like, even if no one watches it, when we're 75, we can look back and watch this. And I was like, okay, fine, you can do it. <laughs> but it's been interesting. Um, but I like it. Yeah. I mean, Natasha's grown her social media like crazy. Her Instagram's doing well. Those swim videos are really terrific that she's been doing. And Alice, it sounds like your husband has been a big like support system and encouragement for through this process is we'll give him a little airtime, I guess. So is he <laughs> also a triathlete? You know, do you do you train with him or not even with him? And or is he just a triathlon super fan and like kind of felt like you'd be good at this? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of all of that. He and I signed up for our first Ironman together. Um, so he did that one. But then since then, he's done one other he did like classes last year with me. But he's kind of transitioned into the role of like lead Sherpa. Um, so we swim together, we do our masters together, but um, his joke now is now he can't really keep up maybe with um, bike and run. He'll, I got him rollerblades. So he'll sometimes rollerblade next to me when I do my long runs, which is nice for some company, but he's not out there biking and running with me too much. <laughs> and that could probably get some good GoPro footage for the YouTube series too. <laughs> For sure, we've gotten some good real clips out of out of those uh, rollerblades. I feel like 
I feel like we need the behind the scenes. You need a third person there, like getting the. You should think um, he was trying to skate backwards the other day and he like almost wiped out and I was in the middle of like a hard interval and I'm like freaking out. My heart rate like skyrocketed. Yeah. Good adventure. Uh, well, Alice, thanks again for, for chatting with us and best of luck in Florida. And it's just next week, you know, safe travels and have a great race there. Yeah. It's coming up soon. Appreciate it. After we stopped the recording, Alice told us, unfortunately, Natasha Vandermerva, her coach will not be racing at Ironman Florida. When we had Natasha on a few months ago, she was hoping to train and race that race. But the, the reason that she's not racing is actually a great one, Alyssa, because between all the coaches of NVDM coaching, they have more than 50 athletes racing Ironman Florida. So I think Natasha felt her skills were best used uh, in the support role and but wow, what a crew that's going to be a party down in Ironman, Florida, for sure. Yeah. She will have her hands, hands full regardless, but thanks to Alex, Alice for coming on and Haley, I hope your body starts feeling better. I hope you have a great pacing experience. And I have a feeling that Greenville, South Carolina might bring you back into some good day drinking weather and half, half marathon is like a really good, I feel like timeline for getting that done and then having an afternoon to do some more day drinking and celebrating. So all the best to you. I and hope your so. Friend as well, you're down there. Well, cause Megan always talks about this place called grateful brew and I really want to go there. I also, I'm making her take me to like her favorite bookstore. And this is Megan, my friend who I went to the Taylor Swift concert with. And I didn't even oh, mention okay. this yeah. because Taylor's version, 1989 Taylor's version is coming out this weekend. And we oh played this weekend before we knew that and she has like a record player and so she thinks she got the vinyl version so we're gonna like i mean that might be the one bad thing i think we're gonna be up like all night listening to that singing, um, dancing and yeah but yeah so i'm very excited about this release <laughs> i haven't seen them have you seen the movie Alyssa? i haven't seen no the movie yet. and i haven't really gotten myself like motivated to make plans about that either i admit because i'm actually gonna be matt and i are gonna be <laughs> Taylor and Travis, like probably the rest of the world for Halloween. And I have a Halloween party with that this weekend. So I have to, I'm like excited enough that I get to wear my Taylor Swift costume outfit again for a good purpose. Right. Oh, I know. Guess who else has a Taylor Swift costume outfit? Me for my yeah. run. I have a Taylor Swift running outfit. I would say, so maybe I'll have some photos that come up off of this weekend. Check social media if I'm, um, if I'm recovered enough to post that, but uh, yeah, this is actually one of my first forays into costume running too. I forgot Ooh. to mention all these things. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, I have one more thing to ask you about. And did I see that you're going to, you like, did you're going to do Disney this year? Like you yeah. can't take off season too That's, hard. I think you have the like goofy double or so, challenge or something to get ready for, right? Dopey. The dopey. dopey. That's okay. like four races. That's, That's another 40th birthday. Yeah. Oh my it's a 5k, 10k half marathon and full. It's like, this is like a Liskadesky style, but that's another four. That's my friend Shelly's 40th birthday. So, um, I know at first everyone has really big birthdays this year or like, and they all want to go running. So it's, <laughs> well, it I mean, there's a theme, yeah. there's a theme with my friends <laughs> for sure. Um, and so I know that's what one thing I was thinking. I'm like, okay, wait, 2025 is when I turn 40. Do I get to have a Kona party? Everyone comes and does the Iron yeah, Man. Yeah, yes, you do. For they sure. They have to participate. 
I gotta get myself qualified, but they, yeah, everyone, everyone, you have, you have plenty of time. Qualify for 2025 Haley's 40th party. I'll be at the bottom of the 40 to 44 age group. It's like perfect timing for me to jump back in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause you're 40th too. Uh, oh, we oh, could yeah. have a joint party. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds like a good plan. Okay. This is making me feel a lot better about everything in life. So, um, Alyssa have a great weekend and, uh, happy Halloween in advance. And I will chat with you next week. Bye Haley. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Atitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.